0: It's just great to be with you, and I'm really enjoying the fellowship that there is between our churches. And my church is benefiting a lot from knowing lots of you people. So it's it's great when we gather together. I also get up very early on a Friday morning. I wake up at ten to five, and I draw, I leave my house at half past five so I can get here to pray with your leaders at half past five to half past six. Half past, no, half past six to half past seven, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's, people think I'm mad, but actually so love praying in that kind of way. So, and I want to thank those people in this church who serve you faithfully. When I walked in the door, there was a great welcome. It wasn't smothering me, but just there was an acceptance. There was a love. There was a kind of instant bond of fellowship with people. And I want to thank those people who serve in the church. Getting this ready is quite a task. I noticed what time you come in in the morning. So I roll up at church at half past nine, but some of you already been working hard for at least half an hour or so before that, haven't you? Brilliant. So thank you for the setters-uppers and the musicians who led us into worship the presence of God this morning. And I hope you will thank those people because they're serving you when you roll in at quarter to 11. Some of you. I noticed. I noticed. And I say to my people, say to my people, think about how long it takes you to get here from your house, right? And make sure you set your family clock so that you can leave your house five minutes before that, right? So before your normal time, or ten minutes, or half an hour sometimes. and. Uh, get here so that you're sitting in your seat and joining in with what's going on early. We're going to have the Word of God read to us, and we're, I'm here to do the concluding part of the series that we're sharing with you on the Letters of John. So it's John 3 today, and I met this guy, Pete, yesterday, lovely guy. hope you know him and love him. He's going to read to us the, book, the chapter
1: of uh, 3 John. Okay. <clears throat> okay, I'm reading from uh, the New International Version as well. This is John's last letter. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth, and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you were doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. You have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he was doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so, and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you, the friends here send their greetings, greet the friends there by name, amen.
0: What a great passage that is, isn't it? So if I were to ask you, over the last eight or nine Sundays that you've been studying this, how have you been challenged personally by what you've heard and been spoken to about? If I ask you now to turn to your neighbor and say, what have I really learned from the book of 3 John? I'm not going to ask you to do that, but if I were, <laughs> what would you say? And how do you think your life's been changed as a result of it? Because these guys have been preparing stuff faithfully, haven't they? They've heard the Holy Spirit speaking to them, that brought a message, and it's supposed to produce fruit, isn't it, that lasts. So we should expect to be changed by the preaching of God's word. And uh, sometimes people say about this passage, well, I don't know what you can get out of it, because it doesn't say that much. But actually it does say quite a bit, and I'm just going to concentrate on a few things. Because I believe through what has been said before, today, that the power of God is here, to touch people's lives. So if you're someone here who's been looking into what Christians are like and so on, and you thought to yourself, it'd be really good if I could commit my life to God, to say goodbye to the past and start a new life, you can do that this morning after the meeting. And I'm sure Andy will help us with how to process that to explain to you more of the gospel of Jesus and so on. If you're someone who's been away from God for a while and you're coming back, just decide in your heart that you're going to come back to God and we'll ask Andy to deal with that as well. All right? He knows what to do and he's got friends who can help him, hasn't he? So if you're someone who needs healing, you're looking for a breakthrough, and I've picked up today, just like my church, that people have been struggling with stuff for ages and they need a breakthrough from God, we'll pray for you. It's not us that will heal you, it's the power of God and the presence of God who will do what he wants to do. Sometimes it takes a little while, but sometimes there is a miraculous breakthrough, isn't there? So, if you wanted to sum up what's happened in the chapters of 3 John, of, of John uh, someone summed it up like this, it's about living like Jesus, It's about loving like Jesus. And it's about walking with Jesus. John reminds us, right from the start, that he's the only living apostle at that stage. All the other apostles died pretty bad deaths, didn't they? If you know the accounts of uh, history. But, miraculously, John survived. He was exiled onto an island. And he may even have had his mother-in-law Mary with him or Jesus' mother Mary. Sorry, I didn't say that in the right way. But it wasn't his mother-in-law, it was Jesus' mother. Jesus gave his mother to John, didn't he, when he was on the cross. So we're not sure what happened to her after that. But he says, I actually saw Jesus with my own eyes. Nobody can take away your testimony, can they? Whatever they believe about Jesus, they can't take away what you say Jesus has done for you. So, our testimony is powerful. Let's practice it, let's use it often. And, and it's a way of getting into conversation about Jesus. He saw Jesus in every way, being fully God and fully man. That was one of the issues that some of these problem makers brought up. They didn't really believe it was possible for Jesus when he walked on the earth to still be fully God and yet be fully man at the same time. I hope you believe it, but uh, if you don't then trust in God that that's what the Bible reveals to us. Someone who put aside the splendour of, of being completely God, some other being than us, became God in human flesh, as we'll be celebrating in just a few weeks' time, and lived among us so that we could relate to him and we could trust in the death that he died. So, how are you doing in these things? Living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and walking with Jesus. He says, I've learned to love like Jesus. John calls himself, doesn't he, the one that Jesus loved. He was the one who was first, one of the first called um, fishermen, and he knew that there was a special relationship in his own heart with Jesus. I'm sure Jesus didn't have favourites like that, that like we might do, but actually, he says he knew the love of Jesus. And because of that, he speaks a lot about love in his writings. If you look back over his gospel that he wrote, maybe roughly the same time as he wrote these letters, he actually talks about love a lot, and he talks about love in his letters quite a lot as well. And we know that uh, in John 15, verse 13, he says, Greater love has no man than this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for his friends. That's the Jesus model, isn't it? to love like Jesus so that we lay down our lives for our friends. You know, it's wonderful to come into a church like this with such cultural diversity, isn't it? We come from different nations, different tribes, different tongues, and yet we are one in Christ. And it's great when people express their love. I wonder how well you know each other in this church. I remember we joined a church once that had quite a large membership, probably a bit bigger than this, and uh, we made our decision that each week we were going to get to know three or four people's names and something about them. So I would suggest that if you look around the church and you realise you don't know many people, why don't you find out after this meeting the names of a couple of those, three or four of those people Make a note of it, even write their names down in front of them so you get the spelling right. And why don't you ask them for one thing you can pray for them for this week? And that will strengthen your fellowship and your friendship. That will demonstrate your love for the congregation, won't it? Jesus' love meant laying down his life for his friends. It meant a selfless compassion for the world that he came to save, for the poor and the weak and the sick and the demonised and the rebellious and those who have not much hope in this world. Jesus' love was rugged, wasn't it? It was a determination not to give up, to follow through on his mission and so on. Jesus' love was seeing the best in people. Sometimes churches that I've been in the past, it wasn't that friendly, wasn't that kind, it was cold. Just tell you a quick story, and that is that my dad went to church religiously. He was religious. And it was nasty, actually. It wasn't nice. And I could tell you more stories, I won't this morning, about the way he expressed his religion. But my mum would never go to church, and eventually he persuaded her to go to church. And she said, I'm never going back there again. He said, they don't talk to you, because you sit in your pew and you stand up and sit down and you let the man at the front do all the magic things with his fingers, right? And you just come out and he said, when I went to see the vicar at the door, he actually turned his back on me at the time. Maybe unintentionally, but she took it the wrong way, maybe. And he said to her, you don't go to church to talk to people, you know? (laughs) So she never went back there. But it was was our joy to welcome her into our church as it is now, and we led her to Christ a few years later because she was searching. She saw a community working well. So how are you doing at loving like Jesus? What do you need to put in in place to be loving like Jesus was? At this point, John had planted and he'd loved and he'd mentored many churches around. And he was passionately concerned that they continued to do well. That's why he wrote the letters. So, what's the purpose of an apostle? I hope you know that already. But if there's anyone here who's like new to the situation, I'll just refresh your memory or tell you for the first time. An apostle, like John, lays a foundation of doctrine in the churches. He makes sure that what they believe is what God wants them to know. And he lays a foundation, not just the doctrine what you believe, but good practice, a good way of relating to one another. He visits, if possible, to just make sure that that is going ahead. He sends his greetings and there's encouragements to the church, and you've heard it this morning, and uh, to the leaders and to the people. That verse one is brilliant, isn't it? Just think of the relationship between uh, John and his friend Gaius. It says, my dear friend Gaius. It wasn't a business relationship. It was a deep friendship, my friend Gaius. Prepared even to put that in writing who I love in the truth. Isn't that, wouldn't that be good for someone to write about us like that? That we are in such bonds of love with one another. An apostle commends what's going well in the church. So if, if the apostolic leaders of Catalyst came, they would visit and they can commend us I remember when sitting in the congregation here when Terry Virgo came. Do you remember that one? He's a great father to our movement. I love him dearly. One of the things he said was, it was lovely to have such Christ-centred worship. Because I remember he said to us later on, a lot of places you go to, they're singing about me, I, and they're singing about creation and all the rest of it but they're not singing straight to God. And it's lovely to hear songs and join in with songs that talk about my relationship, my worship, my adoration of Jesus. So he commends what's what's going well. He reinforces the teaching and trains the leaders in doctrine where they need it. He corrects errors that are going on. He says, "I, I have this against you. There's a problem in the church. And we've heard about the problem already in this church. Because John keeps bringing it up through these three letters that he wrote. He keeps bringing up the problems that are going on in the church. And you know what they are, don't you? Hopefully. And he gives warnings about to people about demonic forces that might destroy things and break the church up. So he fulfills a fatherly role to the church. And it's great when We can receive people who are apostolic. They cover us in prayer. They encourage us. They build us up. They challenge us. So when an apostle says to me, How's your marriage, Paul? That's a challenge, isn't it? Fortunately, I think we think it's quite good, actually. But yeah. But he says, How's your finances? How's the welcome in the church? How's the worship going? How's the outreach going? And that sort of thing. And you can be challenged by that because you realise, actually, I need to do something about that. Okay. John keeps saying through his letters, I'm writing this to you, dear children, to you fathers, to you young men, to remind you of who you are in Christ. Sometimes we forget, don't we? We let things slip the sort of main themes of our faith just sort of tend to die down. But what we need is God to stir us up and an apostle's job can do that. So what are the main themes from this third letter? Well, I just want to pick out a couple. He writes from uh, imprisonment or exile to Gaius. Gaius is a Roman name, so it's some connection with with Rome Rome, uh, who's leader of one of the churches and he says, my dear friend in Christ. What he's saying is, you're doing well, brother. If you look at that, you're doing well if you read those first few verses. You see, any position of authority in the church requires someone of character plus gifting. When we're looking for leaders, we don't just say, oh, who's the most sparkling preacher? Who's the most gifted musician, who's the most kind pastor. Let's appoint them. Let's all vote them in. Let's uh, look at the character of the person. If you look in the books of Timothy and Titus, you'll find a list of characteristics. So when you're looking for another elder to add to the team, okay, look, read the chapters of Timothy and Titus and you'll see that you're looking for someone who's got of good character. Plus the gifting to be able to do it. So, uh, uh, John is is, is talking to Gaius initially about his health, isn't he, and his heart for God. God loves to see faithfulness, it comes up in this passage. People who are walking in the truth, with the fruit of the Spirit developing in their lives, and seeking after the Holy Spirit. How are you doing in that? Church, how are you doing in it? Are you walking in the truth? Are you growing in the gifts of the the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit? Are you desiring more from God? That's right, he is, isn't he? He's our Saviour, yeah. So what we want to do is to catch his heart for us, individually and corporately. There were obviously, I think, good foundations that had been laid in that church, but then there's problems arising. There's two contrasts here. Because one of the main reasons why John wrote his letter was because they were false prophets, false teachers, who were coming into the church. And we need to guard ourselves against that. I don't know how much teaching you had already on false prophets and false teachers but they can try to skew the church from its main purpose from its sound doctrine and introduce all kinds of stuff normally below the surface with just getting someone to one side and saying do you really believe that bit of the bible i think actually god was meaning something different and some people watching the internet, or listening to some of the TV channels, you pick up stuff which you think, well, yeah, that sounds okay, it's plausible, maybe I'll just incorporate that with what I believe. But we have to be so careful, brothers and sisters, with these things, that what we believe is always rooted back in the Bible. We must always check it out, check out what I'm saying. I'm not above fault, am I? So. Don't just take everything from me. Go back and read the the, book, the letters of John and find out for yourself whether what we're saying is true. It's not always a very good idea to just go straight up to a preacher just after he's discharged his message and say I didn't agree with that bit. Give it a day or so for them. It's quite you're quite fragile and you feel very vulnerable when you're up here declaring God's Word. So just say, thanks very much, Paul. I'll be in touch or something. (laughs) (laughs) No. But it's a very dangerous thing when people come in with the intention of disrupting what's been going on. Sometimes they can do it innocently and sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes they can be guided back to the truth with a simple sit down and a coffee and an explanation and what does scripture really say here and how does that tie in with other stuff? But actually, sometimes there is a plan to disarray, disrail the church, derail the church even, okay? And there were issues in the church which is mentioned two or three times, it's quite strongly in the book, in the letters of John. Perhaps you could go back and have a look at those things that were happening but there were these guys who were coming in. So, the problem that John's addressing this morning is that there was an issue where this guy, whose name is, um, oh, what have I done now? I've forgotten his name. Diatrophes, he was like a self-appointed dictator in the church. He refused to accept those envoys, those men that came as representatives of John. And he set himself up as someone who was like the the person who can be the doorkeeper of the church. A bit like saying, someone here has decided that they're going to keep certain people out, so they put themselves on the door and you can't get past them because they're not acceptable in the church. They're coming to do the church good. They've been sent by the apostle. So when you know, Duncan sends someone to another church to preach, they're going on his behalf, aren't they? And they're going with his blessing. And they're there instead of Duncan at that particular time. These people were coming on behalf of John, because he couldn't obviously manage to get around to everybody, He might even have been under house arrest or something. But he actually went around. They went around on his behalf. And this guy, Diotrephes, was saying, they can't come in. Sorry. One writer says, the language here suggests a self-promoted demagogue no better than a trumped-up dictator if he behaved in the way described here. It's a dangerous thing to have someone in the church. So have your spiritual antennae up, always listening to people who you think might be trying to guide you into error. It's a warning that any church, I'm not saying you need it particularly, but there might be people who are secretly under the radar, spreading little things and need to be corrected. How can we guard against that happening? Well, the answer is to know our Bibles. It's actually surprising in churches the proportion of people who don't read their Bibles daily. Now, if that's you, please, I plead with you, please get to know God, his ways, his teaching, his encouragements and so on please set aside some time each day to do that. You'll be fed, you'll be encouraged, you'll be kept on the right pathway. spend some time in his presence, praying, listening for his voice, directing you in specific pathways he wants for your life. Read and know your Bible. Then when someone's coming out with something, you think, that sounds a bit dodgy, then you can go back and check it, can't you? And help to point them into the truth. The other thing that I think is pretty striking from this is the importance of hospitality. Importance. It doesn't just mean someone standing at the door, does it? It means getting to know the other people in the congregation and welcoming in strangers who you don't know. We maybe don't look like you or behave like you. Or we have problems that you're quite, not quite sure how to solve. Might be saying, can, I take, can we go for a coffee somewhere and get to know each other? Might be, would you like to come round for a meal and so on? That's hospitality, isn't it? And it can be even more than that. When you hear that there's someone from Ukraine, as we heard earlier, that needs some uh, you know, place to stay then invite them to stay in your home. Put your name down on the list as someone who will welcome asylum seekers and people that genuinely need uh, a bed to sleep in. We've got a couple in our church who've recently taken in a family. There's a mother and a daughter and the mother's sister who come to live with them. And it's a blessing already for them. They actually get more out of it than probably the people who come in because they're being blessed by doing that. God's looking after them. He's providing everything they need in terms of accommodation and furniture and, and money and so on. And it's a blessing for the church to help out in that way, isn't it? We can all contribute. That baby basics thing I think is brilliant. We haven't got our own building in Upminster. We have to meet in a school, as some of you know. We can't use it a lot during the week. We certainly can't do projects like that. I'm Jealous of you in the right sort of way. It'd be lovely to do something like that. But we're limited because of the building that we meet in. So, practice hospitality. If you don't do it, practice it. It can start simply, can't it? Like I said right at the beginning, by just getting to know the people that are here. There's some lovely people in this church. I've met loads of them already, I don't know most of your names, but it's just great to be here and to meet you, but get to know each other, introduce your friends you met from the church to those people who come in, they want to know that this is a safe place, it's a family they're joining, it's not just people who sit in pews and sing when they're told to, is it? No. There's not a lot more I want to say from that, please, because I feel that God wants to meet with you. Okay? So we're going to sing maybe one song or two, I'm not sure what you've planned, but I and others in this church would love to pray with people who want to respond to God. Maybe something I've said this morning, help me God to be more discerning with other people. Help me God to be more hospitable Help me, God, to be able to refute these things. Help me, Please help me, Andy, to find some sort of Bible plan that I can read the Bible, that sort of thing. It might be, um, I really need to do something about this. Okay, so it's not a complex theological talk this morning. It's more like we've read so much, we've heard so much, and now it, we need to respond to God. So whatever your need is this morning... There are people here who can help me pray for people. It's not about me, and my, my ability, because I don't come with wise words, but I have an expectation that the Spirit's power will be here today to touch people. So if you've got a need, and I've already heard, I've already picked up this morning, that people struggling with issues and things, let's pray for you. Let's be the family of God. Even if you don't want to come to the front, why don't you just find somebody? Say, hello, what's your name? I've seen you for the last two years and I haven't spoken to you yet. <laughs> <laughs> Happens sometimes, doesn't it? We both sit in the same places and we talk to the same people. Why don't you spread the net a bit further this morning and just pray with one another just where you're sitting and just build one another up and ask God to come and do some things in people's lives yeah so let's respond shall we let's stand and I'll pray and perhaps the musicians can come and lead us in a moment do you know one of the the very best things you can do is just to say come Holy Spirit I need you Holy Spirit because I'm no good on my own I can't Fix this stuff on my own. Unless you come Holy Spirit, then I'm sunk, aren't I? I need you to fill me for the first time and I need you to fill me again and again and again. Think of a jug of water and you're trying to, the tap's on all the time if you just put the jug under the tap. That's what it's like. Holy Spirit wants to fill you this morning. So if you've never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit for the first time, Now's your moment to step forward. And we'll pray for you. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, we'll pray with you. There could be a lot of prayer going on, couldn't there? But that's wonderful in the church. So, so we do that. If you want to respond to anything that I've said this morning, or if you've got a need that you want to, God to come and help you with, just step out while we're worshipping. And those of you who are experienced who know how to pray for people, come and join us at the front. There will be a team of people waiting. Okay? Father God, I pray this morning that you would come. I had this word earlier on that we mustn't despise the ordinary because everything that we do, our breathing, our eating, sleeping, all our activities are only there because God provides. The fact that we can breathe right now, the fact that our heart is banging in our chest is because God's got his hand on us. So let's reach out for more this morning. Let's be expectant that you're going to go deeper and further as a result of reading the book of John and also receiving this morning.